Digital Dissection, a nerd podcast, can at times contain adult language and themes. It is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Digital Dissection podcast, where we take a closer and possibly unnecessary look at our favorite properties, creators, and topics. We are your humble hosts, Joe and Mark. Two pop culture nerds dedicated to telling entertainment history before it's forgotten too soon. Join us on Facebook, Twitter, and our blog for more information on the show. We also love to hear from you, so why not write us at digitaldissectionpodcast at gmail.com. And now that we've got that out of the way, let's get to dissecting. Welcome back, pop culture nerds, to Digital Dissection, where we take a closer and possibly unnecessary look at our favorite properties, creators, and topics. You might notice we're fans of Ghostbusters here, and today we're revisiting the 1997 show, Extreme Ghostbusters. You might also notice we're joined by a new guest that some of our Twitterverse friends know quite well. He's a radio show host, podcast guest, and self-proclaimed professional pain in the ass. We welcome Zach to the show. <laughs> How are we doing, Zach? I am doing good. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Yes. A long time coming, man. Yeah. Like, we. Mm-hmm. I didn't go back and check the first date when we were actually, you know, DMing each other. Yeah. But it was it was a while ago, and I, but you guys have you, you guys have been busy. You've had so many people on. You dissect so much stuff. So I'm I'm happy to be a part of this, and I'm a little n- nervous because usually I have a some knowledge of what we're talking about. I have very little knowledge of this. I have knowledge of Ghostbusters, but this uh-huh. this was really my first step into the extreme side. Ooh. or dark side whichever way wherever it was aired it has different names apparently which i like yes just like the teenage mutant hero turtles yes. they had hero to change turtles. everywhere yes. depending on where they went mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it is it is a, an interesting part of pop culture history because extreme ghostbusters you know for those of you who could find it when it was on tv it did kind of live in this unique space and so a lot of us didn't even know it existed um, I only knew about it because I just happened to be home at this specific time when school got out and boom, mm-hmm. I was watching it. So, but yes, as we mentioned, Extreme Ghostbusters came out in 1997, which for those of you who have noticed that I am old as fuck, that means it happened quite a long time ago here. Yeah. Now, what I'd like to do just to kind of start us off today is take us back to 1997 in a few different ways. Now, one of the things I always love to do is talk about products of the past. And 1997 has a few notable products that you might remember. Now, we're going to actually start with the internet. Do you guys remember what was available to us as a translation tool back in 1997 on the early internet? Translation tool? Was it Alta Vista? Hmm. Alta Vista <laughs> was a search engine, but you're close. I <laughs> mean... I I don't remember. I wasn't. Let's just say I wasn't using the internet to translate things at the time. Yeah, I didn't even know it had that power. No, oh, I know yeah. it could do other things, just mm-hmm. not that. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody was looking at low res pornography at the time, but no. What? No. Just uh, no. <laughs> never. No. no. No one's ever no. dialed out to some weird. Honey, country. no. I never. I never did love you. You're, yeah. you're <laughs> heavens no the owners don't even want us talking about it no. <laughs> so back then 
Babblefish was the ah, official yeah. translation. Babblefish. You just unlocked something in my brain. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I had to like open up Map Quest to get there, but it took us a bit, but we got there. And print out the instructions. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, the Babblefish was running the show back then on on the internets. Now, something that also stays in the realm of technology, if you remember, the PlayStation controller used to just be the thing that you pushed buttons on, right? Yeah. Well, in 1997, the DualShock technology reared its head, allowing us to vibrate through levels, races, <laughs> mm-hmm. and jumping on things. So mm-hmm. yeah. this was the first year of the DualShock controller, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. And that was just, what, three short years after the Rumble Pack? Yeah, actually, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it was pretty close. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody loved vibrating while they played video games. I don't know. It just it sucked you right in. Like, oh, I got hit. Therefore, my hands should be vibrating. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of people still enjoy vibrating playing games now. I've noticed. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly, I, I can't even play video games without vibrating. Like, I'm so used to it now. It would feel awkward. Oh. <laughs> Less I'm stimulating, sorry. I believe, is what <laughs> you're going for. <laughs> All right. Well, 1997, let's shift around a little bit. We're going to head on over to food for a minute because food is very popular. You know, a lot, of the, a lot of people believe that the key to a man's heart is through his stomach. Hmm. And this was a very important year for McDonald's, believe it or not. Do you guys happen to know what happened at McDonald's in 1997? Was this the year of the coffee lawsuit? Ooh. Or I had another guess, if that's wrong. Okay, go ahead. Did they debut the Arch Deluxe? So we're closer to Zach's answer. Damn. But this this is a very important time for McDonald's. The McChicken, the McDouble, and the McFlurry oh. all premiered in 1997. Wow. Mm. Good year for McDonald's. Holy shit. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They've been rolling along ever since, right? <laughs> yes, uh, unlike the, the Hawaiian burger or the, was it the McDLT? Yeah. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. you got to keep your hot food hot <laughs> and your cold side cold. Absolutely. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this that, this has been rocking the menu ever since. Uh Another food item is the Oreo O's. Very popular breakfast yeah. item at the time. Mm-hmm. Why um, not just admit the whole thing cereal and make it Oreos? I mean, the whole thing sugar. <laughs> Obviously, it was cereal. It's just, yep, that's blatantly sugar now, everyone. We're just putting Oreos in milk. This is a two-pound bag of sugar that you could serve to your children, right? Now, speaking of high quantities of sugar, this is also the year that Surge premiered. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. yes. Can you guys feel your fillings and cavities just like, you know, shouting? And... Yep. <laughs> you did this I... to me! <laughs> That's why my dentist is getting so much of my money. All of the surge in my past drinking habits. I was, I was yep. really banking and hoping on 3D Doritos coming out this year, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I... 3, 3D-ish, it was really just Doritos that were fat in the middle. Yep. And, yes. But then still skinny on all the corners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like this was actually probably like some sort of weird like uh, production mistake. It was like the legitimate, like, oops, all berries, this was a mistake. Whereas oops, all berries, <laughs> that, was, that was planned. The captain mm-hmm. was doing. That was yeah. deliberate. Mm-hmm. That was absolutely oh. deliberate. Oh, that captain. Gat, Gat captain's into a lot of stuff. Yeah, we, we <laughs> talked about him on F and Cultured. We roasted his butt with a lot of cereal people, and he's into some dark stuff. That captain. Horatio. That's right. We know your name, Captain. I didn't even know he had a name. I thought he was just the captain. Dude, 
seriously it's it's up there with chuck e cheese who's charles entertainment cheese you know like they yeah. they all have real names mm -hmm. surprisingly okay so one last <laughs> trip over to technology for a minute okay now now this was a, a a godsend to all of us that were going through more advanced mathematics at the time the ti-86 calculator also Ooh. premiered mm -hmm. in 1997. i still have mine from high school yeah, it's it got me through working, some hard times. Mm -hmm. mm, I yeah. think I'm. I still have the old '83. Yeah, wasn't around to get the '86. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. I, the the '86 kind of got me through some tough times in life. It also got me through biology, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. which could have been a tough time in your life. Yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it also got me through that show with the magician who kept revealing all those secrets. It was just tough to be a kid <laughs> in this era. <laughs> also, apparently tough to be like you know. I would say an honest magician. Because yeah, that man keeps yeah. ruining all the secrets. Yeah, exactly. Everybody knows if you watch the rest of development, you don't tell people how no. to do the magic. Yeah, mm -mm. and then Will Riker's <sighs> out there making up stories, and we can't tell yes. which one's real and which one isn't. That's right. Mm -hmm. We made it up. Total fiction. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, kind of rounding this out and going back to the, the landscape that we lived in with Extreme Ghostbusters, obviously, that wasn't the only cartoon that was out there at the time. And what I'm going to do is just kind of read through a really quick list for you guys just to see what memories jog loose, what kind of body language you're giving me. We're establishing a baseline here. Okay. So other animated shows that were on television at the same time as Extreme Ghostbusters. We've got Daria, the spinoff from yeah. Beavis and Butthead. Mm -hmm. Donkey Kong Country actually had an animated spinoff series oh, as well. Shit. Yeah. Did not watch that one. <laughs> yeah, it was out there. It was. Yeah, another extreme show called Extreme Dinosaurs was out there. I do recall that one. Vaguely. Yeah, yeah we, we got Franklin, yep. you know, the educational turtle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we got Johnny Bravo. Yeah, Johnny Bravo. Mm. <laughs> Man, I'm pretty. <laughs> do we talked about this. <laughs> yeah. We talked about this a little bit before the show. We got the Men in Black series, which is mm -hmm. also made by the same studio as Extreme Ghostbusters. And a couple smaller shows you may not have heard of. We've got Pokemon. No. Yep. Tiny. What? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's an independent. I don't know. I just yeah, if it's in your pocket, here. it's so small. Gotta <laughs> grab a few or something. I forget the catch. Right. Right. I don't know. It was you never have... that big, right? Yeah. Procure quite a few, Flash something like that. Pro procure quite a few. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then oh. we ha we have recess and oh yeah. Mm-hmm. South Park also premiered oh. in 1997. Yeah, the early days of South Park, but it was more toilet humor than satire. Yeah, it was, it was very original, mm -hmm. right? This is back when they weren't quite adapting everything from, you know, what's what's on TV that day. Yeah. So a little bit different experience, but nonetheless, still going strong yeah. all this time later. Mm -hmm. So just to kind of place people in 1997, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're drinking sugary drinks with a ton of caffeine in them you know we're eating our oreo o's and we're just getting down that path of diabetes with the mcchicken <laughs> the mcdouble and the mcflurry you know so yeah, and that's what it was like to be a kid in the late 20th century yes it was but <laughs> it felt like the future and that's why we're here so anyway what we're here to talk about today they are the extreme ghostbusters so this this tv series that obviously has had an impact on me Joe a little bit. We're showing off the logos for those yeah. of you listening to the audio only program. And it was announced in 1996. 
you know, this is a good year for the Green Bay Packers, which for those of you that don't care for sports, and we mention it occasionally here, you know, they were playing some good football then. Mm -hmm. But Adelaide Productions was the one behind this series. And as we mentioned, the Men in Black series, they were also adapting that from film to TV too. Mm -hmm. So, And then shortly after, Godzilla as well from the... Yes. But the the not as great movie, um, America shot at making Godzilla for the first time. And the cartoon was loads better than the movie mm-hmm. that came out. Matthew Broderick did what he could, but yeah. Yeah, when God you does know, that, blow fire, what can you do? That's a movie that I love to hate watch. Because mm-hmm. I don't necessarily hate it, but I get a lot of nostalgia for it. Yep. Yes. And so I... Uh, it's an awful rendition of Godzilla and legendary has done far better now. Yes. But I, I will still watch that and go, it's like a dirty, dirty secret in your closet. You don't want people to know. It's like, oh, I'm going to sit down and watch Godzilla nineties version. Oh boy. Yeah. I mean, and it's also hard to hate anything genre Renault is in. <laughs> yep. True. True. To me, it, f- mm-hmm. it feels like, you know, you, you broke up with, with your ex and your friends are telling you, don't do it. Don't go over there again. But you're like, no, 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 no. There's, Fine. A little, there's yeah. a little bit of catharsis I get from this, you know. Just let me have that for now. <laughs> Sorry, Zach, if we're if we're digging a little too deep there. Let me know if no. I oil already. <laughs> no, it's good. I like it. This, this is this is a fun ride. I'm enjoying. I'm holding on, but I'm enjoying. <laughs> well, speaking of a fun ride, to quote Dan Aykroyd from Ghostbusters 2, the real Ghostbusters was off the air for five years at this point in time, right? So it officially mm-hmm. ended in October of 1991. And Columbia has kind of been known as Columbia slash Sony, right? Because Sony mm-hmm. technically owns the rights. They've been known for sitting on properties for quite a long time and literally doing nothing with them. Yeah. Well, I mean, even looking at like real Ghostbusters by the end of its run, it, they didn't really know what to do with it by the end when it became Slimer in the real Ghostbusters. And they just tried mm-hmm. making it so, I mean, it went from like, what, half, like, the original was like 30 minutes of Ghostbusters and then it was 15 minutes of like a weird Slimer short and then 15 minutes of a Ghostbusters story. Yeah. And then I think by the end of it all, it was just Slimer. You didn't even like left out the Ghostbusters story. So clearly if they were going to do something with this, they had to rethink what the hell they were going to do with it. It's very true. Uh, and for those of you that listened to our, our episode in season one dial dial G for Ghostbusters, we actually talked about how, the studio royally screwed up the real Ghostbusters. They they brought in this this uh, uh, this private firm at the end of like season three, I think it was, mm-hmm. and they had them reassess everything they were doing. They wanted to actually kill off Ray Stance, you know, just Poor a <laughs> yeah, s- small part of the Ghostbusters. Um, it was really strange, and so the whole thing went this different path. So yeah, it was it was interesting that this is kind of where we were with this. Like okay. We kind of royally screwed up what was a very successful cartoon. Mm-hmm. And Ghostbusters has been sitting idle since idle, sorry, not idle. <laughs> idle, idle since 1989. So here we are, you know, eight years later, nine years later, trying to figure out what we can do next with this. So what did they think they could do? Well, let's take a series that was known to be very kid friendly, and we're gonna start adding some darkness to it. Now, Zach, you actually mentioned this. What was one of the the early titles for this show that you remember? Ghostbusters Dark. Yes, absolutely. What's the first thing that comes to mind for you, Joe, when you hear Ghostbusters Dark? That 
for some reason, the team is led by Batman and John Constantine. <laughs> we don't know why they're there. It's probably because Batman, who prefers to work alone, is going to work with a bunch of kids and then be a part of every single like league in the DC universe. And now he's going to work with the Ghostbusters. <laughs> I think Ghostbusters Dark, and I just immediately start thinking like hardcore drugs, you know. Uh... <laughs> Very different places that we just went Boy. there. Yeah, but you know what? They're both dark. Yeah, <laughs> Batman, heroin. <laughs> it both, speaks to each dark. each of you in different ways. Clearly, <laughs> very true. Very well. Yeah, there's nothing that gets a rise out of me other than heroin. You know, just just speaks to you differently. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Don't yeah. do drugs, kids. Don't do. Yes. Drugs. Yes. Yeah, especially since the Ghostbusters were used in that 1990 crossover or whatever it was about not doing drugs. So, yeah. Um, yeah, don't yeah. don't do that. Yeah, which I guess would really be fitting if we delivered this message both dark and extreme, and we say don't do drugs. We'd have to be on skateboards as we say this, as a very <laughs> again '90s approach to this whole scenario. Just a as you're riding by on a skateboard, tossing eggs in the air, hitting it with a frying pan. <laughs> That's right, <laughs> Rachel. <laughs> the Rachel Lee Cook uh, commercial where she's like frying eggs. I'm like. You're trying to tell me not to take drugs, but now I'm just hungry. I'm just hungry. I'm, I'm very hungry. Mm. And why are you smashing it. your apartment? You just have to clean all that up. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, I think the, the moral of the story is uh, drink your school, don't do milk, and uh, stay in drugs. Is that what it is? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, something like that. It, but yes, so Columbia knows that Ghostbusters makes money, right? It, it has always historically made money, did really well in the box office, and the cartoon stayed on the air for several years after the movies came out. Mm -hmm. So we want to reboot the property or just kind of restart it, right? And that's where we end up with this Ghostbusters Extreme slash Dark. Um, but as the, as the beginning of all shows tend to be, there are some things that don't quite make it from inception to the screen mm -hmm. so here's the thing i want to start off with we've been inundated with superheroes quite a bit right a little bit for some reason people in the beginning of extreme ghostbusters were thinking should we make them like superheroes should they should they be you know like super powered and larger than life guys what, what do you typically think of when you think ghostbusters do you think superheroes right away I think no. usually, you know, usually scrambling for money is what I think of with Ghostbusters. I, I think of how they started as not jokes, but, you know, everyone looked down on them. They weren't considered serious. They were laughed at until they had their first big break when, when they captured Slimer in the movie. And then all of a sudden, oh, all this paranormal stuff. Oh, look, the Ghostbusters, it's, it's real. That's how I think of the Ghostbusters starting is, you know, the... The zero to hero metaphor. Yeah. Some would say yeah. that their theories are even the worst of their kind, and they were poor, poor scientists. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Some people say they're full of crap, and that's why they went out of business. <laughs> and so some of the producers thought this at first. Fortunately, we ended up instead getting people who were more like misfits, kind of in the spirit of what you mentioned, Zach. And we ended up getting a team with a hip new attitude sure <laughs> yep if the 90s liked one thing it was teenagers with attitudes and oh. they they all have attitudes and it's it's and i'm sure you'll get into it but it's like the original team just younger and edgier yes teenage mm -hmm. angst among all these all these kids well kids maybe adults because they're college 
yeah they're college, college. Mm-hmm. yeah 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 young adults maybe they took some mm-hmm. high school credits that you know transferred to the college you know you never quite know we how that know. works out we don't ask the seven-year uh, plan they're fine yep. <laughs> there you go but yeah you know what this idea began swirling around it's like you know do we bring back the old crew that likely have arthritis or you know uh maybe they're incontinent we don't know and instead we reboot in a sense by bringing in this new young team of ghostbusters which is basically the idea that dan Aykroyd had ever since you know 1989 you know where mm-hmm. let's talk about how we can you know pump some new life into this and I, actually I'll, I'll i'll actually decide you guys you can either tag team this if you want to explain it what does this new team of ghostbusters look like joe you want to go first yeah yeah sure um they are I think, like, I mean, I hate to break up the superhero analogy, but it's almost Avengers-like because you've got four, four different characters who are very distinct from each other, and when they first come together, they don't really see eye to eye or even get along or even would like like each other all that much, except for one of them really likes the, one of the other ones, um, kind of embarrassingly so, but it's kind of this great, uh, great concept of like they have to actually like learn to work with each other and that's something that develops like over the course of the series whereas before when we had the original team it was pretty much just if there was any tension it was just peter picking on egon which i mean i laughed at a lot oh completely (laughs) i enjoyed that Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah go ahead go ahead sorry i didn't mean to cut you off continue no, that, that was that was what I got. It was the, the long and the long and short of it. I don't know if we wanted to go into actually Joe describes the physical characteristics of the of the four new Ghostbusters, or if we could just go with a nice nice generalization. In which case, I assume that at least two of them have silky smooth skin, because those are the same two that I assume actually bathe regularly of the four. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. You know what? That's. I got to say, this is like a, like three different people witnessing uh, like an event in front of them unfold, and everyone's probably going to have a different interpretation of the events. That's how eyewitnesses work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> now, actually, something that we should have mentioned before this. Now, we invited Zach onto the show. He hadn't actually seen Extreme Ghostbusters. Oh, so I'm correct. actually in, mm-hmm. interested, Zach, in what, what your initial thoughts were on this quote-unquote new team that we're being introduced to. Um, so... Right away, the first thought is it's the same characters, just different, if that makes any sense. And I see here, you you guys were, I think, thinking similarly. Um, <laughs> each one of them had their different characteristics of the original four of Egon, uh, Winston, Peter, and Ray. Um, Kylie is very, it was Kylie, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, Kylie. Yeah. So she's very she's the only one of them that has any sort of paranormal uh interest and knowledge. And she reads all the books, which I mean Ray and Egon both were like that in the original group, but uh Egon is definitely more the tech guy in the cartoons, at least. And Kylie seems like the more all right, I'm in the Tobin Spirit Guide kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. Um that I picked up on. The other one, which was super easy, was Eduardo. He is yeah. Peter. <laughs> He's just Peter with a yep. tiny little chin goatee. You know? yeah, yeah. That was as soon as he was his attitude. It's like, yeah, okay, that's Peter. 
that's a Peter character right there. Mm-hmm. All right, I got yeah. that. Um, Roland, I w- like he could be to me either Egon or Ray. Um, he physically more resembled Ray, I think, with like the face structure, but I guess yeah. turns a little bit more Egon. I only got a few episodes in. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. But and Garrett definitely was Winston. He was the wheel man. He was the everyman. Um, he was able to, and just mu- much like Winston in the cartoon, they they evolved his character so that he did a lot more. And that I think was one of the big things. The problems with the movies is they didn't utilize Winston. He was just like, all right, here's your one job: maintain the car. That's yeah. it, you know. And he had a little bit more to do in the second movie, but in the cartoon, they were able to build his character up. Very true, actually, which is like I think I consider one of like the cinema sins of the Ghostbusters universe, you know, um, which I think they they did a good job. The producers did, at least in this show, of giving each one of these characters their due. And as you mentioned, yeah, there's definitely some equivalencies that they have with the on screen counterparts of the main characters. Right. Um, but while that may be the similarity i don't feel like they're con- like entirely rooted to those things no you know no. which is which is great they each one of these characters along the way gets an actual uh like dedicated episode to their background you know um so that's that's the fun stuff of this series is you're not just getting things that feel familiar you are getting you know brand new as well and so for a for a children's show <laughs> i was like i i'm going to give you guys some credit here this is actually mm-hmm. some you know, this is like uh, higher IQ thinking for a kid's show. And I don't know if you guys agree with that or not. Yeah, I, I definitely would. Um, there are definitely some some episodes that really stand out for that. Like, I think I think it's one called Fear Itself, where literally mm-hmm. a, a ghost that's in the in the episode, I think, is actually like pretty tiny and rather unassuming. But it immediately can tap into the fears of the, the people that are around it and make, force them to hallucinate. And yeah making each of the each of the ghostbusters of the new of the new team have to literally face their fears when they are like so bad that they're crippling them i thought was something that was i mean pretty pretty good for a kid show the way they tackled it because especially what i think eduardo's afraid of dying so yes that's a a pretty steep one that's very very difficult to, to bring up for or even you know talk about death with kids so that was as far as some of them go, because I think they also like tackle anti-Semitism at some point in this show. Which they do is pretty really? steep for a kid show. They wow. do. There, there's a uh, yeah. So there's a um, a rabbi whose temple gets uh, uh, vandalized actually, and his nephew in retaliation uh, summons a golem. Which you know, for those of you that that, that know some of the, uh, the Judaism lore. You know, golems can be summoned to protect, uh, you know, Jewish folks, and so, yeah, it was pretty heavy-handed stuff for, uh, for a kids show. And uh, to get back to the characters for a second, you know, I think to be able to balance this type of thing into a TV show is really only possible when you have a cast that, you know, is is up to the challenge of doing this. Um, and so that's why I I want to focus on this for a minute. Is because the cast of this show, I mean, unbelievable amount of work these folks have done. And starting off with Kylie, she's played by Tara Strong, which anyone who's listened to or watched any animation in the last 25 Mm -hmm. years 
She's everywhere. Yeah. She's on everything. If you've watched a cartoon, you've heard her, and you probably don't even know it. Yeah. I mean, most of us would know her for Harley Quinn, mm-hmm. right? But yeah, she's she's been all over animation ever since. Um, Maurice LaMarche, who voices Egon, who's one of the original you know cast that comes over from uh, Real Ghostbusters, he's mm-hmm. he's reprising his role as the mentor to this team. And Maurice LaMarche, good lord, I, I could talk with that dude all day. Yeah, <laughs> he's one of my favorite voice actors of all time. Mm-hmm. Yep, if you were uh, Warner Brothers fans, he was Brain. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he's Kiff on uh, Futurama. Yep. Yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, I mean, anytime they need someone to do uh, an impression of, uh, oh, I always forget his name. The uh, the old horror uh, writer, like like anytime you think of a horror voice, this is the guy that comes up. Um, uh, it'll come to me. I'm sorry. He does this impression all the time. Maurice Lamarche is asked to do like three voices, and this is one of them. Um, but rounding out the cast, we've got Roland, who's voiced by Alfonso Ribeiro. Friggin' uh, Carlton, Carlton from, himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> from Fresh Prince. Uh, we've got Reno Romano, who voices Eduardo. So he was, um, for folks that may not know him by name, uh, he did several voices for Resident Evil 4 and did an animated version of The Batman, not to be confused with the most recent The Batman that we've seen. Um, so outside of that, Joe, you actually mentioned Eye to Eye, which I thought was pretty funny. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The name of a song from the Goofy movie that Jason Marston, who voices mm-hmm. Garrett, happened to be in. He was Max, uh, Goofy's son in that movie. He'd also lend his voice to Peter Pan and The Lion King too. So we, we've got a pretty, yeah. pretty solid foundation of voice acting talent that comprises this cast. So when you look back at it, I, I've always been impressed by it. Um, just because I, I can't imagine how much it would cost to get them together now. To try to get the same cast together. I mean, I don't know if you could afford Carlton at this point. Getting Alfonso Ribeiro to do a cartoon? Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> did yeah. um did Frank Welker return for Slimer? He did not. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's an important detail that I'm happy you bring up. Who wants to take a guess at who might have voiced the role of Slimer? Uh, I'm, it's going to be wrong. I'm going to say Peter Cullen because if we lost Megatron, maybe we gained Optimus Prime. But that, no, that's not that's not the case. <laughs> Unfortunately, no. Zach, who do you have a guess for? Oh God, I have no idea who it would be. I, I it sounded close enough to Frank Welker, but also wasn't. If that makes any sense, I I don't yeah. know. Uh, uh, Billy Zane, maybe. You got fifty percent of the answer. Oh. oh, not oh wait, no, not Billy Billy West. Billy West. That's who I'm fry. That's the. Yep, brain you got it. Roll it you got Billy, it. Billy Zane did Tybo. Was that it? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Well, Why he's not? a cool dude. He probably did Tybo. Yeah. Mm, dude, maybe. you got you dead on. Billy West was the voice of Slimer. So okay. Freaking, yeah. I love dude. Billy West. He does yeah. so much. Ren and Stimpy, mm-hmm. pretty much damn near everybody on Futurama. Yeah, he's 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 the role of Slimer, which he doesn't get to do a whole lot with, but uh you know, I think he sells it well. I think he, he does. does a good job. He does. So now like with with obviously they they be returning three with uh, Egon Slimer and of course Janine. This wasn't mm-hmm. either of the women who voiced Janine from the real Ghostbusters, was it? No, no, actually it wasn't. Uh, now this is me trying to remember. Uh, I think she, I think she goes by Pat Music, mm-hmm. I believe is is her name, uh, but her full name is like Patricia Music. Okay. And for those of you that may not be familiar with her. 
she actually does have a pretty important tie to a specific actress that some of us may know. Uh, do you guys know Mae Whitman by chance? Do not. Mm -mm. Sorry. Nope. All right. Well, for those of the Arrested Development fans that are listening in the off or in the audience here, Mae Whitman actually voices, uh, or she plays the role of Anne on Arrested Development. Um, she's also one of the ex-girlfriends uh, from uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Uh, and so, oh, yep, okay, yeah. There's some there's some connections here, but uh, but yeah, Pat Music, she's the one that voices, uh, yeah, Janine, and yeah, you're right. She didn't she didn't have any involvement in the uh, the earlier series, no. No, and hopefully so, this was just surely a casting thing where they couldn't get someone to come back and not the, we think she should be more motherly. <laughs> and we're going right. to completely change the character. Well they, well, they changed, if you think back to the real Ghostbusters, back when you guys were talking about when they started incorporating Slimer, they changed a bunch of that and started making it more kid-friendly because of Ghostbusters 2. And, and Ghostbusters 2 changed a lot also to, to try and match the cartoon as well. So they kind of mimicked each other. Mm -hmm. um, and they hinted, I, I liked how they hinted at Janine and Egon had more than just the, the kind of casual working together, slight attraction relationship. Like at least in the beginning, it, it, it seemed like Janine was going, Oh, I thought we, you know, we had a, a closer relationship than that. And Egon's like, Oh yeah. You did the bookkeeping. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's correct. Okay. She also right. did our bookkeeping. Yeah. Mm. That, was, that was good. That was, was good. Pretty good humor for a kid's show. I totally agree with you, though. I mean, um, they definitely ramped up her, like, horn dogginess for Egon in this series because uh, there's definitely no questions about that. Um, I still get the vibe that if there's a holiday party, though, you can expect the two of them to end up together oh, by yeah. the end oh. of that. Mm. Um, and we have no idea what happened to Lewis Tully, and we're not going to question what happened to Lewis Tully because he even shows right. up he... at the end of like RGB too, doesn't he? He yeah, did. He I wasn't. I wasn't watching it at that point, but I know that his character did again to co incorporate stuff from the movies mm -hmm. to make it canon. Um, I mean, the RG, the real Ghostbusters started with as canon and loosely connecting to to the movies, but. Mm -hmm. um now maybe you're going to get to this later does any other members of the cast show up for like one-off returns here or there throughout ah. season one actually I, we're not going to save it for later because there are some folks that i've heard who will actually pick out these episodes specifically mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um now at the end of season one we do end up having a two-part episode called back in the saddle which does bring back the original cast of the real Ghostbusters. Yes. So, okay. but now at the same time, we don't get the original actors for obviously Vankman and Winston. Yep. Uh, instead, they're, you know, Dave Coulier. And I always forget the win uh, who voiced Winston after Arsenio Hall. I do too. I struggle with that because I always think of Arsenio Hall when it comes to animated Winston. It's uh, Buster Jones. That's right. There we go. Okay. Mm -hmm. Buster Jones. So they do bring back like the most recent people who voiced the original four, you know, in the RGB series towards the end of season one. Yes. And uh, we will get to the reasons for, you know, some of what happens at the end of season one, mm -hmm. <laughs> but, but yes, they do return. So it's a, it's a nice little thing to look, kind of look for at the end of the first season of extreme ghostbusters. Yes. The first um, season and yeah. sadly just the show. 
Yes, the first and final mm-hmm. season. Yeah, <laughs> grand opening, grand closing. Yeah, it's a little, little sad. Kind of a pop. Um, we could maybe refer to it as a pop up series. It was never. Yeah, it's just yeah. one good ride. That's all they wanted. Yeah, limited edition OVA. Right? That's what we went. Yeah. With. <laughs> well, as we've talked about, we've got some different interpretations for how this show could have been a thing, right? Mm-hmm. And in the beginning of this show, the entire uh, arrangement that we just talked about was entirely completely different. All the characters were. So long before there was ever a Ghostbusters 2016, which Joe and I don't talk about very much to prevent all all of that psychiatry that went into forgetting it. <laughs> should have had should have had you guys on podcasters assemble for that one. I would have <laughs> would have I would have enjoyed you squirming. It would have it would have just been groaning for however long that entire episode was of that podcast, we've just been groaning the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mm, yeah. Mm. It's like Grand Grand Torino, uh Clint Eastwood. We're just gonna be the entire time. Real real quick, just a side note. Everybody who had seen the original Ghostbusters hated that movie. People that had never seen the original Ghostbusters and as we were going through the season didn't like Ghostbusters one and two, loved 2016. Whoa. It was it was a weird dynamic, guys. It was so weird. That's that is strange. That's that's bizarre. How can you not like Mm. the first two movies? You know, a whole other podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we, and we won't name those people because we don't want you to go out and, no. and find them and you know, do horrible things to them. But so, believe it or not, though, to your point, Zach, uh, this all female idea of Ghostbusters, it actually existed in the original, uh, like ideas for Extreme Ghostbusters. Okay, so the creators wanted the original uh, Extreme Ghostbusters to be in all women cast okay it was designed to be that so oddly enough um there was also going to be a different mentor that was going to lead them too now i know i've given you some of this answer already but who do you think was going to lead this group originally if not egon i would guess ray yeah i'd go janine joe is correct oh i finally got one originally she does, yeah she does suit up in the original one right she does some busting yeah yeah i think there's, she does i, I think at least a couple of those because there's the one where she uh she gets the genie and that's where she is um she's a ghostbuster for the whole episode but i feel like mm-hmm. it doesn't she have to in the um the sandman episode too she's got to suit up in that one and not to mention she also suits up at least two or three times in extreme ghostbusters mm-hmm. as well so that's what they were leaning into, though, is the fact that Janine does have some experience in this. And so instead of Egon being the original like professor that teaches these kids, she was actually going to be like a history professor and then do kind of the same uh, mentoring to make them into Ghostbusters, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they changed some of the names initially, um, right? But one of the things I found really weird about this like first idea, Egon was supposed to be uh, kind of like this like ambassador to the ghost realm like he was going to have this like massive beard the original uh specs for him was that he had this like massive robe and everything (laughs) and uh, honestly it it reminds me a lot like tron legacy you know (laughs) like (laughs) like this is the idea they had for him um but yeah otherwise like the female male counterparts that they would have had later on still match up here quite a bit um the only difference though that we've kind of glossed over up to this point a little surprised is that Garrett was initially conceived to be like a thrill seeker 
you know, base jumper kind of person. But once they did the gender swap here, that's when he be, ended up being in a wheelchair and hmm. uh, having a disability. So, and he's still a thrill seeker. I, I would still imagine. Is, yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, he is. I mean, he his skill is opening doors with his wheelchair. That's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> I would say learn, of, learn that in the first episode of the extreme <laughs> Ghostbusters. I think he is the most extreme, legitimately. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, you know what? I I think you are you are correct, Joe. Yeah, because I mean, Roland's not extreme. He has actual pajamas that button up and match. <laughs> it's so it's so damn true. <laughs> I, I, and that's what I can't quite wrap my head around with this 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 show, like. Zach, if you keep if you kept watching it, you would find out that it it, it felt like it felt like they took this show seriously mm -hmm. uh, from a comedic standpoint, if that makes sense. Mm. Like like there are points in this show, even when I've watched it now as an adult, that I'm actually laughing at this this show, um, and it felt like what the creators of the show did with this was they ramped up everything, whether it was the humor, whether it was the horror from the original which we will get into that in a moment. Mm -hmm. But I mean, this this show, is, as Zach had mentioned early on, was originally called Ghostbusters Dark. The tone of it is absolutely infinitely darker mm -hmm. than the RGB show ever was. And I mean, Zach, what kind of vibes were you getting watching this for the first time, you know, kind of experiencing these early episodes? Like what, what vibe were you getting? Uh, 90s, first of all, just <laughs> right off the bat. You, you, hit, you get hit with a rendition of the intro and while it doesn't speak the same to me and just pull from the nostalgia that i grew up with i'm just sitting here going this this is this is 90s rock all right i like it um the animation that was included in that opening was much darker i mean the, when you think of the original real Ghostbusters in their opening, they had some creepy looking creatures there. And even what made it into like beyond the pilot had mm -hmm. been scaled back a little bit. Um, this was a lot darker, scarier, I guess, in the terms of kids. Um, and just with the first episode dealing with, all right, we're jumping into opening up a crypt that's going to unleash a typhoid Mary in a way upon the city and now oh all these people have what a ghost zits i think is what they yeah. called them yeah um <laughs> and everyone's just getting infected and she needed a willing vessel i was like all right well this, this is starting off much darker than the original series yeah. but i wasn't turned off by it granted it much older now but uh i'm i would be interested to watch more and see where it goes yeah yeah, Joe, what are your thoughts? Uh, pretty much the same. Like, it was something that was honestly pretty refreshing. Where it was, like, again, there were a few times where uh, I think we talked about this um, with David Fielding when, like, I watched Power Rangers growing up as a kid, and it was clearly very much made for children. There mm -hmm. is no, there's a backstory, but it's very, very loose. It just has to sound cool, and the kids are in. And then as we got older and like where we are now, Boom Studios comes out uh, and they make this amazing comic book series that really, really dives into like the mythos of the Power Rangers. And they add all these other like compelling storylines to it. And I felt that this did the same thing for Ghostb for real Ghostbusters, where like 
Well, the real Ghostbusters, honestly, again, it was a good cartoon. Like I can go back and watch that now and still fully enjoy uh, at least the first like, two, two, three seasons. Um, mm-hmm. But it just adds more onto it. And then on top of that, it almost feels like they didn't just make this for children. They made it for the audience that grew up watching the real Ghostbusters and was older now and could handle maybe a few darker elements to it, uh, darker story tones, creepier mm-hmm. looking monsters, and at the same time, still attract new viewers or hopefully attract new viewers. But I feel like if that wasn't the goal, that's kind of what it came off as to me because I stumbled across this, I think, uh, I think accidentally, like, like you did Mark or except I did it. Like I stumbled to that in the morning before going to school and mm-hmm. it hooked me right away because the first episode I saw was the, uh, was the episode where the Grundle came back. Oh yeah, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Which is one of the yeah. few like actual like callouts to like the old show. Other than of course we talked about the old cast coming back uh, at the end, Egon obviously being there. But by and large, like we don't really see any ghosts from the original series other than the Grundle making it here. And yeah. I feel like that's the Grundle episodes were there for that, just be like, oh hey, this is something that like oh the older audience will appreciate and keep them watching i think what i appreciated right away was the fact that even though zach you mentioned like the intro felt like dripping with 90s um (laughs) yep i love the guitar riffs Mm. you know for the same reason i love the guitar riffs in the beginning of the mighty morphin power rangers theme (laughs) it just hooked me right away Mm -hmm. and it was years later that i discovered that the guy who sings the extreme ghostbusters theme is actually jim cummings Uh, And for those of you who may not know Jim Cummings by name, this is literally Darkwing Duck. uh, Yes. Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. Winnie the Pooh, Tigger, the Tasmanian Devil. I mean, he's singing this song and I'm just looking at myself like this is I just see Winnie the Pooh in the studio, (laughs) you know, (laughs) Um, but he kills it. He kills it with that theme. Once you know who it is, you're like, wow, like. Props to you, man. Yeah, so you think, oh, while he was recording oh, that, yeah, yeah. That's like he he makes oh, mistakes. Who are you gonna call? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you seeing things running through your head? Yeah, that's that's all I'm thinking about. Is this dude just killing it in the studio? You know, wearing the little red shirt, and nothing else. Again, but... <laughs> podcasting yeah, not made for pants. Jim, recording music Jim, right there too. Jim, we've told you, pants, please. <laughs> yeah, pants, Jim. Yeah. We have an open studio. Yeah. Yeah. We find it weird to have to have this conversation with you more than once. Every time you come in, Jim, please. Pants. Like, I get your last name is Cummings, but please do not make that literal in the in the office while you're here. Of course I'm yeah. drinking. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, you say, this is the first and last time Zach will be on the show because he's he's choking to death. You can't see it. Well, some of you can. <laughs> yeah, well, this is what kind of hooked me on it, okay? Now, in the very beginning intro of this, you see the PKE meter from the RGB show right like it's Mm -hmm. the first thing you see in the trailer so for me i went whoa right away this is connected it has to be Mm -hmm. and because i had this is the 90s right like we didn't know anything you know we're we're, honestly i still feel like if like war of the worlds came on the radio in 97 we'd be heading for the basement and Mm -hmm. you know loading up (laughs) shotgun shells so for this to come along and go what is this it was a it wasn't just rare for this to be connected it was rare for animation to ever do this because most animation properties never do continuations they're almost always reboots and so the fact that we got this in 97 was unique because 
you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was already on its way to a second reboot, almost mm-hmm. a third, I want to say, at this point in time. Um, Masters of the Universe didn't didn't ever continue no. the same plot lines. No, because we yeah, they did that. Um, what the New Adventures of He Man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's completely just, different that, stuff. That didn't work at all. Yeah. <laughs> You talk about there... the one that just came out this past year? No, no, there was a '90s attempt at uh, keeping He-Man relevant called the New was Adventures there? of He-Man. I yeah. don't remember that. He he got slightly toned down, mm. like he wasn't as bustling muscles. Um, okay, and I think he had pants. I think he had pants, unlike Jim. So unfortunate. I yeah, mean, I he... it's okay. <laughs> I think he was voiced by Patrick Duffy, and he he remarries and he moves into the suburbs. He's got like eight kids. <laughs> totally, totally different show. <laughs> step by step what (laughs) yeah i think so yeah you know so this was this was really interesting and unique for this show because um there's a reason for why that connected universe is there and it's because some of the producers from real ghostbusters came over to extreme Hmm. so we ended up getting richard Reynas, jeff klein and dan Aykroyd also helped consult to keep this feeling like the vibe of ghostbusters and I felt like what this show did was take the creepiness from GB1, mm-hmm. skip over GB2, yep. and just kind of, you know, ramp up this like Hellraiser, uh, you know, slash like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's almost gory in a sense, type of horror that Ghostbusters just didn't quite have the identity for at that point in time. You know, it was a, just a completely different feel. So I don't know. I, that, that was my take on it early on. And as a kid, I was fighting myself going, oh, my God, the Grundle has actually killed a, a child yeah. <laughs> from RGB. <laughs> you know, like like Joe mentioned, they did make some callbacks, but some of these ghosts are actually killing people in this show. Which, that, again, that's seems a big very, change. Yeah. yeah, it seems very, like, even, like, difficult to pull off because I feel like there are so many, like laws in place for cartoons or any child programming were like you can't show things being violent to kids which honestly from everything i've read and experienced with this show this was stuff behind the scenes that they had to fight Mm -hmm. to keep in uh now technically they never show people getting killed by the ghosts right um but there is one specific episode that stuck with me and zach i hope you get there one day it's called the crawler it's episode 11 and this is where these guys find like this these gems in a museum they're trying to steal them mm-hmm. they end up releasing this basically this this god of of bugs oh and joe joe i don't know if you remember this one long story short the bugs get into people oh no oh yeah, this, no it's not ringing a bell but it sounds terrifying uh, uh. It, it is rough to watch even now you know like i i saw this uh i actually went back to this one specifically because i remember i was like this episode's really fucked up and i gotta see it again i gotta remember if it was just as messed up now as it was then and yeah like these are the things they were throwing at kids you know like the censors were only worried about uh like eduardo and kylie maybe having a relationship yep no nudity strictly no nudity with those two no no they're very very tastefully done like they'd pan to the candle and then the candle wick would blow out you know we 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 don't we're not getting x-rated here but but episodes like the crawler though definitely painted this identity 
that really no other show had at this point in time. I mean, yeah, South Park had some screwed up things. We're not counting that. That wasn't mm-hmm. that wasn't targeted for kids to watch. No, that, no. Yeah, that also aired at prime time. <laughs> like that was clearly yeah. a bed for old for an older audience. Kid, kids were watching, just mm-hmm. trying to get around their parents to yes. watch it. Yes, which I did successfully. As, by yeah, the way, good for I. you. Well done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it just had a totally different feel, and it'll always stick with me that whoever w- had a hand in this the horror elements of this show was a strength and it wasn't just something that was used as a, as a sight gag. It wasn't even shock value really. Like mm-hmm. it just, it was part of the plot and it legitimately scared me like as a kid. I mean, how many other shows have you guys seen? If you can remember animation where, you know, someone has a larval bug inside of them hatch. I can't remember any others that did that. Nope. No. Don't like that. Mm-mm, no. <laughs> That that pretty much just happened in Alien. Mm. Like that's it. That's the only yeah. thing I remember. And that did not get a that did not get a cartoon. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, but they did have a whole toy line. That's true. And I had which I had a lot line. of those. <laughs> <laughs> they had that whole what Dark Horse comic series. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. I remember reading those. Yeah. Yep. That, that was so weird too because I I remember my parents did everything they could to keep Alien away from me, and here I was playing with the toys where you know you can literally blow somebody's chest open and you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, this is fine. This is great. You know, well, now, still... now, now that I'm thinking about it, like I can't, I don't remember the, the years, but aliens, dark horse, you know, geared to kids. I mean, that was certainly a thing that was being done back in the day. I mean, we had a Beetlejuice cartoon. Mm-hmm. The movie wasn't necessarily geared for kids. We had a RoboCop cartoon. That mm-hmm. movie is not geared for kids. No. You know, Terminator mm-hmm. two, you know, uh, play play action uh, figures. You know, you had all these movies that were geared towards adults, rated R and eighteen plus, and you had cartoons or or toys for the kids to capitalize on it. Um, so, for a cartoon like this to kind of skate and skirt around, like right there on that line, oh, we're here. You know, we're getting by. It's kid content, but oh, there's adult themes. We saw that, but definitely not with with Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I well, I remember in um, in the real Ghostbusters series, we did have some of these these plot lines that obviously were childish and you know whatever. Let's let's reverse the polarity and it'll solve everything. Yeah, yep. <laughs> but there were some episodes where they were fairly heartfelt, um, especially with regards to like Peter, where you know Peter shows that mm-hmm. yeah, this this lady reminds me of you know, of a, of a woman I used to know and I want to help her kind of thing. And so you actually get these gut mm-hmm. checks occasionally. Yeah. And it, uh, like with uh, the episode where uh, Peter's dad comes on. Yeah. Yeah. It's con man dad. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some, and, some yeah. of my favorite episodes were Peter episodes when I yeah. think about it. And each of them get much like with what you're talking about with extreme RGB had, uh, episodes that were centered around the characters themselves. Like, uh, like you're saying, with uh reoccurring ghosts with egon being the leader of the team i'm surprised that the boogeyman did not make an appearance because of his connection Mm -hmm. to egon as a child and he came up a couple times in rgb um so i'm surprised that that wasn't a fun little easter egg Mm -hmm. that they that they tied in there which were two of my favorite like my two favorite episodes of rgb were the boogeyman episodes Mm -hmm. and the second one like 
even like as a kid, like one thing that always got me because they're like, oh, well, the uh, the the, uh, the proton packs and the, and the trap won't work on him because he's not a ghost. So we'll make a special proton wand that will turn him into a ghost so he can trap him. Mm. And they're just like, so it's a gun? It's just a, you're just going to shoot him, right? Let, let's just, turn him into a ghost. Yes, we'll yeah. turn him into a ghost. We'll just kill you, him. You do that by bullets his one weakness <laughs> yes yes yeah if you look at the side of the the neutrino wand it actually says desert eagle 0. 0.50 uh yeah right on the handle yeah but but seriously though like that's why this show felt different not just from rgb but also from other shows at the time was because they did take a chance to not just focus on the horror but they did come back to the characters and give them some adult-oriented development, like character development. Mm-hmm. Um, for Kylie, like as you go further through the series, you she mentions in the like the very first episode that her grandmother recently passed away, and that's what kind of gets her into this like spiritual, you know, education and all that. Mm-hmm. Well, there's several other episodes throughout the series where she talks to her grandma, and, and you know, so mentally she's going through this like healing process, right? Um, for like the for Eduardo he ends up going through uh, some character development, talking to his older brother, who's a police officer and they kind of are at odds. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of drama there that I did not actually remember from like being a kid, going back and watching it again. And I'm going, this is, this is heavy shit for kids to, to watch. Um, and the same thing goes for Roland. Roland has, uh, you know, a younger brother that they kind of explain and how he mentors him and all that. But there's also some pretty, like serious racism discussions that go on uh, later too, because there are like some racist characters that Roland interacts with. Mm-hmm. So for me, I almost said hats off to, you know, Adelaide and to the producers of this show, even though they only got one season, they took a lot of chances with it and it, it doesn't, it doesn't miss very often. Mm-hmm. Like, so, I mean, Joe, having seen the whole series, I mean, do you agree with that or not? Yeah. Like, I'm trying to think like there's always something that's like a weird or a weak episode in every show where it feels like just because like, again, a lot of times like cartoons, like it was kind of almost standard. Like they got one season, but it was like 50 episodes makes the season. And in that mm-hmm. 50 episodes, sometimes there's not always like a driving plot that they are trying to get to at the very end. So they're either episodic or every once in a while they have to take that episodic approach because not everything can be, you know, towards the main story for 50 straight episodes so they're just weaker things there and god looking back at this like there are episodes that stand out definitely and then the ones that don't stand out like to me like i don't remember like hating it like oh god this one's lame um even things that should be lame the leprechaun episode oh my god they're going after (laughs) leprechaun how freaking lame is that and it's not it's a good episode yeah, I especially love how they you know they present you some stuff that feels familiar. Like there's a mm-hmm. there's this episode with trolls, and the trolls literally you know they 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 multiply by like splitting up, like their mm-hmm. bodies just pull apart, oh, and sh- and <laughs> okay, so it's like equally terrifying but also mm-hmm. kind of cool to watch on screen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it, it, they they do a lot of things. They take like I said, they took a lot of chances. And I felt the same way. It didn't ever feel like they took a day off mm-hmm. with this show, you know, whereas towards the ends of like RGB, even I was like, I can watch like yeah. the first three seasons and then I have mm-hmm. to start 
deciding how to spend my time. Yeah. Because even yeah. the great things they do, like with, with each character, looking at even Egon, where you have the episode where like he starts like throwing his back out and clearly yeah. he's kind of getting, he's, he's Murtaugh he's a little too old for this. Yeah, he's getting and too old for this shit. Yeah. I think the, the, <laughs> the main villain is a Sphinx who's going around doing riddles for everyone. Yes, yes. And you have Egon who is the one who inevitably solves the riddle. But in doing so, that scene kind of culminates the episode where Egon finally accepts where he is in his life. And yes, he's older and he probably should not be in the field all the time anymore, but that he still has, like, he's still incredibly valuable to that team. So him going into, like, the Bruce Wayne, Batman Beyond sort of style of mentor in the show, like, they address it so well. To the point where, like, I feel like if I was an old person watching the show, I'd be like, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, Ega. Yeah. I can't uh, do I'm... things anymore like that. <laughs> I really have to shake it, like, five times to get anything to come out now. Yeah. 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 Egon's probably got prostate issues. They don't yeah. talk about they it, but, but it's, it's, it's implied. Uh, it's implied. Uh, how how many, and maybe they get into this later, how many years are we past RGB in continuity? It's it's actually the same amount of time from eighty nine to ninety seven. Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 actually like a the same passage of time. So this so, well, the original series ended in ninety one, so it's been six years. Mm-hmm. Correct. Since, okay, so in yeah. six years, RGB and the way that they explained that the Ghostbusters went out of business is that well, they busted all the ghosts and there's nothing left mm-hmm. and the other Ghostbusters have gone their separate ways, but Egon is still here just just because, just in case. So, I mean, I guess with what they were doing physically, hauling around you know, nuclear accelerators on their backs, it can be a little daunting. Hey, you know what? If you've ever worn a turtleneck, it feels like a, t- a tiny person slowly choking you, you know? Yeah, but some people are into that. I, I'm not going to kick shame, you know, at all. Yeah, um, we don't yuck anyone's yums here. No, no. But the, no. I think what the point was at this point in time was that, you know, while busting felt good, they busted too hard. And I don't mean anything sexual by saying that. And, you know, <laughs> can you, you can you though? Can you bust too hard, Mark? <laughs> I, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. You're putting holes in things. Yeah, you got to repaint the walls. You know, it, it's... <laughs> But I kind of I kind of uh, get this vibe from Egon that, you know, when I'm in my mid 40s, I think what I would want to do is just settle down and get a ponytail. And <laughs> and and that's that's what he's doing. You uh, know? Me he's too. Just... I'm going to work on that. It'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> I know this for the folks that are listening who can't see the video. Like I have remains of what was a once glorious civilization uh, on, on my head here. You know, so uh, I definitely have one of those academia ponytails where, you know, it, it just doesn't belong. But Mark, if you grow way. one of those, I'm gonna rip it off your damn head. <laughs> we're gonna. I'm not we're gonna live. <laughs> we're gonna live vicariously through Mark. Just him and his lovely. Just look at that. Look at it. It's so poofy on on top of Joe's head. Just <laughs> right up. Great. I'm gonna be like Bill Murray and Kingpin and have that ridiculous, <laughs> you know, uh, mane coming off the back. But you oh, know, un- unfortunately for extreme Ghostbusters despite how good of a show it was because when people have looked back at this they went i didn't know this was here Mm. this is actually a pretty solid show and so there was reasons for why this show only lasted one one season part of it is because what joe and i have, have both mentioned 
there was never any consistency to what station you could find it on mm -hmm. or what time of day you could watch yeah. it. You know, it was on, it was on like an a ABC family at one point in time. It was on UPN for mm -hmm. those of you that remember UPN. What, what is the BKN? Bo Bobot Entertainment. Bobot Entertainment was also one of the, the stations that you could see it on. And Bobot was uh, basically the, let's just call it the, the way that it got to syndication. Yeah. Like, okay. Like, like Bobot helped it get to syndication. And so it, it just became this impossible show to ever watch. And, and at this point in time, I was, uh, my family was in the military. So when we were in California, I watched it on UPN. Then when we moved to Idaho a couple of years later, I didn't even know what station to even find it on. Right. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. what ends yeah. up on Fox kids eventually, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Like ABC family, yeah. Fox kids. Yeah. They, yep, exactly. So Bullbot helps distribute it later, but doesn't, doesn't mean you're ever going to find it. No. Mm. Yeah. So that's what the problem was. Like it was a good show, but just like dread, the ratings were too low. Poor, poor marketing approach. People don't know it's out there if you don't tell them that it's out there. Yeah, I mean, I there mean, wasn't even time for Fox to say it was its twisted new show and fuck it up and run it into yeah. the ground. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's very true. Yeah, I mean, and unfortunately, you got to remember this too. This was an era when Extreme was put on everything, Yeah, right? Everything. Yeah, you got Extreme Sporks, you know. Sporks got... shoelaces. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Which you needed... Because if you had LA gear without extreme shoelaces, what the fuck was on your feet? Ooh, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, your starter jacket, you know, yeah. mm -hmm. flapping in the wind. Always, always, for some reason, a Charlotte Hornets starter jacket. No one in the 90s liked the Charlotte Hornets, except for, you know, people in South Carolina. But we all had one. We don't know why. <laughs> I mean, true. they had a they had a badass mascot. I mean, look they at that did. Hornet stinger out, dribbling the ball. Oh, you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fuck with him. I mean, if you'd put him on your truck mud flaps instead of your seventy Sam, I may actually back off. No, it's, I mean that, San Jose Sharks. I mean that thing was biting yeah. a hockey stick in half. Holy <laughs> crap! Oh man! I, I just realized like we were so behind the eight ball on the Charlotte Hornet. You know, we could have said dicks out long before Harambe. You know. <laughs> But but here here we are. Stingers out, yeah. Yeah, stingers uh. out. Well, all right. So we we've obviously alluded to this quite a few times, but I wanted to get everyone's opinion on this before we sign off for the evening. And and this is really the legacy of this show. Um, now, Zach, you haven't watched the whole thing, no. but based off of what you've seen, what do you think the legacy of this show is so far? The legacy of the show, um, mm -hmm. I think. The legacy of this show, um, in, in its essence, it actually exists now. It exists in two forms beyond this. A very rough, not quite version existed when the game came out. Uh, the Ghostbusters game in the two, 2000s, yeah. where you played the rookie. And you were being trained by the OGs mm -hmm. and you go through all of this, like the, the synopsis is similar of you're being trained and you're being brought up. Granted, all four of them are there, but it, it kind of took this idea. A better version of this is Afterlife, which mm -hmm. this again was Aykroyd's original vision that he wanted to do, you know, without going down the whole 
reason of why it didn't happen. Afterlife, in my opinion, and, and being a fan of the original two movies, I think did a good job and was a good nostalgia bomb for me while telling a, a good story. Now, for someone jumping into it, I'm sure they hated it because whatever reason. But I think they took the idea of finding new up and coming kids, putting them in a predicament that they didn't necessarily plan on being in mm -hmm. and having them bust some ghosts. I think this idea lives within afterlife because this wasn't a hundred percent Ackroyd's plan. And afterlife also wasn't a hundred percent Ackroyd's plan and, and Ramus's plan to, to a point. Um, I think that's where it is. And I think people will, if they know about it, they'll go check it out just because oh, I want to go check it out. But, that's where I think it currently is legacy wise. Cool. Yeah. Joe, Joe, what about your thoughts? I don't know. Like I, I guess I'm much more pessimistic with this and that I, it's hard for me to say the show has a legacy because again, it was just fumbled so poorly with getting the show out there where more people could see it to actually give it more of a chance because on top of one, not even marketing and finding a, a place to watch this thing, they aired the episodes out of order. Oh yeah, you like Jeez. that. Like the back in the saddle two part was supposed to be the last part of the season. That the last two episodes of the season, and then we get Witchy Woman after that, and, and Sphinx, and Sphinx, and yeah. you've got you know like Eduardo and Kylie make some very large character development back in the saddle that is now completely absent. And you're like, what the hell yeah. just happened? Like, is was this the way it was supposed to happen? And with with that, where it feels like this, this the thing was one and done. I mean, to me, like I, I have problems now starting something I know that is going to be done very quickly. Like I, um, I was without cable for quite a while, so I didn't watch any of Krypton when it was brand new, despite hearing that it was actually a really good show, and it only got one season. So mm -hmm. now that it's there, I'm like, and I see it, and I can watch it. I can, you can stream it uh, readily now. And I won't start it because I can only get one season. Like, why am I going to put time and energy into a show that I know is going to be done so quickly? And if you're someone who, again, isn't a big Ghostbusters fan and maybe not even a huge animation fan on top of that, and you hear like us saying, that, hey, this is actually something that's really good, it feels like the ride's going to be over too quick because you are going to invest time into it. You end up, I mean, I think anyone who watches this as an adult likely is going to really like this cartoon and that's just going to be done really, really fast, almost too fast. So I feel like if it has any legacy, it's just a wasted potential. And it's just, it sucks, which it just sucks to be there because it is a great show. And I would recommend anyone like to watch it. But this is also, you know, me being a hypocrite because if I was told to watch it, it's really great. And it has one season. I might not find time because there are other things I want to watch right now. You know, I will agree with you on some aspects of that. What I'll disagree with is that we still got 40 episodes of this show. Mm -hmm. And for me, what I think the legacy of this show is that it's a it's a very rare thing, as we mentioned before. It's a continuation of a series that came out, you know, in animation several years before it, mm -hmm. when other people, other studios weren't really doing this thing yet, right? Yeah. It's not... A continuation of the movies i don't want people to be confused on that it's a continuation of real ghostbusters and so if you were a fan of that and you wanted to see that story continue mm -hmm. you did get a show that stayed in that universe and paid homage to it you know it didn't 
it didn't try to use too much from that series. There's like maybe about a half dozen references. And otherwise, it's a well-made show. Yeah. And we're not even talking about stories or themes or anything like that. Just technically, it is a well-made, well-produced animation, which is very rare in this, this realm of the 90s. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some crazy bright colors. There's some CGI that's mixed in with it. You know, so I, I would say for a show like this, I think it, it stands up really well. I think it's for people who discover it later, you're not going to be hit, hit over the head with a 90s mallet too much. Like, it, <laughs> like yeah, there's some 90-isms in there. But for the most part, it still stands up pretty well. Like, you're not you're not getting taken out of the immersion when you listen to real Ghostbusters and you hear the original produced 80s music they use for it. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, oh, God, really? Did I wear cutoffs and hot pink shirts? I did. Yep. Damn. Mm-hmm. You know, that doesn't happen here. The music is well made. The music sets the tone really well. So for me, I think if you're a Ghostbusters fan and you want to take the time, if you've read the comics, which Kylie appears in, by the way, um, this is a good time capsule for, for, you know, the real Ghostbusters continuity. And I enjoyed it. I mean, it's there's almost 14 hours to watch. So 14 hours to me, I think, is a good a good amount of time to spend with something. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I guess I guess the kicker for me is that it like I brought up Krypton is that it, it clearly there's more story to tell because if you take it from the standpoint of obviously where they leave it with witchy woman and the Sphinx, there's more story. Like that clearly yes. means like more things can happen. It's not it's there's nothing conclusive there. Uh, or nothing nothing concludes there. And even if like, okay, so we aired them in the right order and we end with back in the saddle, well there's still like there's still more story to tell. We haven't stopped all the ghosts. Um the gang is now getting along well, and it seems like we can function even better after this episode. But it want it leaves either way. If you watch it in the order it was aired or order the order it was intended to be aired in, it just leaves you wanting more, and you're not going to get it because there is no more. Yeah, yeah. Which I get. Which, yeah, I get, yeah, I get that. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I, I I kind of view this as if I go back and I watch it, I'm going to just watch it to enjoy it, and it's going to be a fun mm-hmm. other look other you know within the universe not technically within the universe however the canon now aligns it's entertaining and it and it does have character development but i a hundred percent joe get the frustration of yeah. loving and getting into a show and then it being canceled and you know firefly is one of the big ones mm-hmm. also did you know episodes all out of order didn't even all get to air we got a movie thoughts on that another podcast but you know same thing mm-hmm. you can love it and be frustrated at the same time so yeah. i i'm right between the two of you i i love it uh, but also i would get to the end and go mm, i want more yeah I, I think for me it's riding that wave of of nostalgia done right which mm. sounds weird because it's it wasn't really nostalgia quite yet for for ghostbusters mm-hmm. it was still fairly recent enough um but when you watch that back in the saddle episode, that two part episode where the ri- original team comes back there, I don't know. For me, I was like, I, I get it. I, yeah. I get, I get what they're going through as the OGs. I get what mm. they're going through as the new ones and how they meet in the middle. So, yeah, but yeah, that's the larger point. Like if you haven't watched this series and you're a Ghostbusters fan, give it a shot. I mean, it's free. You can watch it on YouTube. I think mm-hmm. even now, not a yep. sponsor. 
So <laughs> definitely it give was, it a chance. It yeah. was released on their official channel when when they were promoting Afterlife. I don't know if it still is, but it, it was there for a while. Nice. Yeah. And, and that's the good news is that you can find it now because there was a time, believe it or not, where people thought real Ghostbusters was lost to the archives. You couldn't even buy it yeah. anywhere. Mm -hmm. And the same thing went for this show. People were like, I didn't even know this was a thing. And now I don't even know where to find it. You know, I'm double screwed here. But but yes, that's the point. If you haven't seen it, we'll link it in the show yeah. notes. Definitely give it a shot. And mm -hmm. with that, we want to uh, give Zach the floor for a moment, Joe. You or has, Zach, you've survived a digital dissection, you know. Yes, I've, I've survived many, so let's focus. Joe's Joe, Joe survived plenty, so Zach, <laughs> we're gonna give you the floor. Joe's just gonna sit there and stare at you. Oh, that's what so. I like. I, li I like when Joe <laughs> stares at me. Uh, so, uh, well, first of all, thank you guys for having me on. I love what you guys do. You have a great dy dynamic. I, I think the. I think the title for your podcast is perfect. I love your little shorts that you've been doing. You've been diving into so much stuff that brings back nostalgia for me. Uh, I, I love what you guys do. So thank you for having me on here. I, I appreciate it. Among all of your historic and talented guests, I'm still confused why I'm here, but thank you. <laughs> this, this was a lot of fun. Um, if people want to find me, I, I, I don't have my own podcast, but I hop from podcast to podcast the three that i do the most is the neat cast kind of a pop culture podcast that was started by jeremy mike and mark uh two of them i've known for well over a decade and a half back from the early days of world of warcraft and they started a podcast as everyone did during the pandemic because it's cool uh so i appear with them a couple times a month uh bobby rick and griff over at effing cultured another pop culture centered uh podcast um they do a fun thing where they they uh do an episode called fermented fruit you drink and watch fermented movies um Ooh. according to rotten tomatoes if it's rotten or fermented so uh that's fun <laughs> and the last one is podcasters assemble it's like a i love the 80s 90s but all about movie series and as you can tell by the title started with the mcu counting down to endgame and they've nice. tackled james bond star wars uh mortal Kombat. we've done ghostbusters we just wrapped up batman we're going to be doing jurassic park and that's open to all podcasters so if Ooh. you guys happen to be interested in the jurassic park series um you can submit your entries and we put them together in the i love the 80s 90s format and um and dissect the movie, if you will, uh, <laughs> but also go through the plot and just what we love and hate about it. So that is uh, that's where you can usually find me, if you want to find me. If you don't, well, don't avoid them because they're still really good people, and and they <laughs> and they should have the downloads. So <laughs> please, please download and share and like, subscribe, smash, smash the bell, punch the clown. What the, what's the I, thing? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, tickle, tickle the like button. Tickle, Ma tickle the Elmo. Yeah, massage the subscribe button. Mm -hmm. right? If you yeah. can caress, find it, caress the Furby. Yeah, get, yeah. Get the spot. Oh no, burn, burn that. <laughs> <laughs> well, for a little bit of business at the end, uh, just want to let everybody know we do thank you for listening. To Digital dissection, as always, we appreciate all the dissection crew does for us on a week after week basis. Your support goes a long way, and if you happened upon this show by accident. 
why not drop us a review or a comment? This really does help the show get discovered. We also love hearing from you, so feel free to email us at digitaldicesectionpodcast at gmail.com. We welcome your ideas, and if you just want to yell at us through text, that is fine, too. Anything you'd like to discuss. And with that, Zach, uh, if you want to take us out, we're letting our guests do our tagline this year, so feel free to, to take us on out. All right. Well, until next time, keep on dissecting. Man, there's going to be some pregnancies coming out of that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you.